Point Church, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's so good to see you here today. Uh, I tell you what a great a great day it is today. Uh, this morning I had the opportunity between services. I didn't last week, but uh, this morning I had the opportunity just to slip out into the halls and walk the halls and just see what was going on. And I think this morning I could do that. Last week I couldn't really do that, but uh, but it was uh, it was amazing just to see community taking place. Uh, in the hallways and in the children's ministry and in the, the lobby, the front lobby, just God just moving in such amazing ways in the lives of so many people. And it's, I tell you, it's just really good to, to belong to a faith family. How many of you would agree with that this morning, to belong to a faith family? Um, I tell you, uh, you know, one of the sort of the theme that we have going here uh, right after Easter and, and what we're really using as we move into this new location is this idea of just welcome home. And, you know, all, for a long time you've heard us talk about being a faith family, be, belonging to each other and being a faith family together. Uh, and so it's only fitting that as we move into a new building that we sort of embrace this idea of, of welcome home or being home and uh, just knowing that together uh, we can make a, a big difference in our community for the, for the sake of God's glory. And uh, I'm just real excited about all that God's going to do in the days to come, the weeks to come, the years to come. Uh, in this place and even beyond this place, you know, as we continue to to live out our existence as a faith family together. Um, if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. If you're a guest with us, we're we're certainly glad that you're a, a part of, uh, of of this service today. We, you are welcome here, and we're glad that you are here. This morning, we're going to kick off a new series, and we're actually titling the new series "Welcome Home." And so, um, it's going to be a really good series where we where we really dig into what it means to be a faith family and so we want to you know you've heard us use this language for so long we want to really sort of describe that and, and and help us to understand what it means to to belong together and to be a a family together in this community and so that's what this series is going to be about it's not about a new building it's about uh it's about us as people and children of god and you know uh, i've always heard this this old saying years ago that that um that well i didn't forgot the saying that i was going to say uh, love is where the heart is or something like that heart huh home is where the heart is that's what I was going to say I don't know if any of you said out there I think a lot of you were saying other things but uh, it really confused me but um, but home is where the heart is and so I, I guess if I'm, if I'm going to say something like that I should put it in my notes so I would be able to look down and glance at it but, but home is where your heart is and so that's one of the things that we want to communicate as we go through this series because we're going to be looking at a lot of heart issues as we walk through this series together and i'm confident of this i'm very confident that god is going to use this series to do something really remarkable in your life i'm confident of that and so i want to pray for us in just a moment we're going to dive in before i dive in though and before i pray i want to just reveal something very exciting to those of you who may have children that may be interested in this but we are launching a preschool starting in the fall august the 14th for some of you college students, you're like, that doesn't apply to me, and it absolutely doesn't, okay? But for a lot of us as families around here, uh, we're going to be launching a preschool. We're already in the process of opening up registration. It will kick off on August the 14th, and we're also in the process of hiring teachers. And so it, it's really an exciting time because I believe it allows us to be a part of just opening our doors to the community and allowing us to minister to families that may not even attend this church. And so that's really exciting to me to just be a part of the community in a very real way. And now that we have a facility that can do that, 
we're going to launch that. I'm very excited about all that's going to take place in that. But let's pray, and, and we'll dive into God's Word. And uh, as we pray, uh, I love what Spence said earlier uh, when he was talking about just a time of worship as being a time where we can lift our voices in song and sing and just express our love and our gratitude to God. Well, during the message is a time for us to hear from God. And so it sort of reverses course. We've had our opportunity to, to talk to God, to sing to God, to praise His name, to lift His name, to glorify Him through worship together, through, through corporate singing. But now as we prepare to dive into God's Word, it's a time for us to hear from God. And I pray that you'll pray that God would speak deeply into your hearts as we dive into His Word today. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into God's Word together. Father, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you, God, for just all that you're doing in our lives. God, all that you're doing in uh, this place. God, as a faith family, we gather together each and every week, and Lord, we have the opportunity to see you just do incredible things in the lives of so many. And Father, that's so exciting to me, to know that this isn't just about church. This is about just witnessing you accomplish great things in the lives of many. Father, we often offer testimonies to how that has taken place. And God, we will continue to be obedient in glorifying you through our testimonies. But Father, we are, we are thankful for the work you do. And God, I'm thankful for your presence in this place as we gather together corporately, as we come together as a faith family and we... We, we live out our lives together, God, just pursuing you and proclaiming your name in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, Father, I pray that as we do that this morning, as we lift you up in, in, in the preaching of your word, that, God, what you would do in return is speak deeply into our hearts. Father, I pray that today you would stir our hearts and our souls, that you would help us to place aside every distraction that may exist in our life right now, any distraction that may keep us from hearing from you. Father, I pray that you would just uh, just move uh, among us. Do a great work in our hearts. Lord, we love you so much. We praise you. And all of God's people said, Amen. I love the language used in Scripture concerning God's kingdom. Oftentimes, as you read through Scripture, you see these words, the kingdom of God. And most all of us here today, we would recognize that God is our ultimate authority. We, we would recognize that God created the heavens and the earth. We would acknowledge that. That's not something we probably wouldn't say. We acknowledge that God created the heavens and the earth and that He is the ultimate authority in our life. We would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We would acknowledge that, that Jesus is the, the ruler of the universe. And we, as, as people of God, that we are His servants. You know, oftentimes the Apostle Paul, when he's writing his letters to, to the different churches, he would, in his introduction, use that, these words, I am a slave to Christ. He would use this word, I am a bondservant, which literally means slave in the Greek language. He, is, he would say, I'm a slave to Christ. So we would, we would recognize that and we would acknowledge that, yes, indeed, we are servants of Christ and, and, and part of God's kingdom. But I love some other language that we see there in the Scripture as well. And that is referring to God's people as the family of God. We, we know that, that Scripture points out to us that there is a Father 
in heaven. And, and just the idea of this grand divine Father in heaven that loves us beyond measure, that loves us greater than we could even love Him or ourselves, uh, that there's this Father in heaven who loves us. It, it gives us this idea that it is really warm to us. It's, it's, it's inviting. It's, it's pleasant. It's, it, it, talks of a, it speaks of a relationship. And we know that the Father, He sent His Son to come to this earth and He would walk on this earth. We were talking about this last week and He would walk on this earth and He would live out His life in a, in a perfect way so that He would be able to go to the cross as a perfect man and die on the cross having His blood spilled for the atonement of our sin only to go to the, to the tomb and, and be there for three days only to defeat sin and death by being raised from the grave thus uh, really confirming His divine nature and confirming to us that yes indeed He is the Son of God and so we, we, we know that there's the Father and we know that there's the Son and then we also know that as true disciples of Jesus concerning the family of God that true as true disciples of Jesus that we are sons and we are daughters of God we are in fact the scriptures calls us children of God if in fact we are true disciples of Jesus and I love that terminology I love that language that is spoken throughout Scripture. You know, there's nothing wrong with understanding the, the kingdom of God and the way that all that exists, but, but I love the, the faith family elements, the, the reality that we are the family of God and that we are the children of God as we read through Scripture. It's just so inviting. It's, it's very, it, it just feels good to me. We are family. We are of the family of God as true believers in Christ Jesus. And so in this series, what we want to do is to really sort of dig into that. To try to understand more deeply what it means to be a, a child of God. What it means to be a part of the family of God. And so where do we start? The place that I want to start this morning is by asking this question and trying to answer it today. And the question is this, what happens when a sinful person embraces a perfect God? What happens when a sinful person, we talked about this last week, that, that the Bible describes all people as sinners. Okay, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. It also teaches us that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. And so we, we understand that there's this element of sin in our life. And so what happens when a sinful person embraces a perfect and holy and righteous God? And so that's the question we want to answer today because really this is the beginning of it all. If we're going to belong to the family of God, if we're going to be a child of God, then obviously God has got to do something in our hearts and in our souls and in our lives that we may belong to the family of God because currently without Jesus in our life, well, not for me currently, but, but if Jesus was not a part of our life, then we would be outside of the family of God. And so that's what we want to look at here this morning. And as we, as we talk about this, we're going to be looking at what it means to be truly a child of God. Now, I want you to hear this because this is very important for us this morning. I want you to hear this. The reality is this is that God is not everyone's father. God is not everyone's father. 
You see, He created all people, and all people belong to Him, but not everyone could say to God that you are my Father because not everyone is a child of God. And we want to talk about this this morning, this reality, this becoming a child of God. That's what I want us to look at. Jesus revealed this to us when He was confronting the Pharisees, and we read this in John 8, verse 42, where Jesus says to the Pharisees, He says, If God were your Father, you would love me. You see, there are people that don't love Jesus. There are people in our day that don't love Jesus. There are people in Jesus' day that didn't love Jesus, that rejected Jesus, that would say to Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. And so as Jesus is confronting the Pharisees, He uses this language. He, He speaks this truth as He says these words, If God were your Father... You would love me. In other words, if if you were a child of God and God was your father, then you would have a love for me, thus revealing to us it's possible to be someone who is not a child of God and could never say to God, Father. And so we see this language here as we as we look into this. You know, this the sad reality is that is is, is quite honestly, not everyone in here is probably a child of God. I, I would hope so. I would pray. I, I would hope that everyone who came into into this room today w- would be a true believer, follower, disciple of Jesus. But we we are told in Scripture that the road is very narrow. We are told that 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 there are people who may be living this life of uh, of false assurance, believing that that maybe they are believers in Christ Jesus. But really, all they're doing is coexisting with Jesus. And so I think it's very important that this morning what we do is we we dive into this and understand what it means to be a child of God. There were many people in Jesus' day. There were crowds of people in Jesus' day that followed Him, but they didn't know Him. And so it's very important for us to dig into this. If you will, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. This is where we're going this morning, John chapter 1. We're going to be starting, I'm I'm going to read some passages before, but the text today is coming from verse 9 through 13. So John chapter 1, we're going to be diving into this, and and obviously the, the message is titled, Becoming a Child of God. You know, of all the Gospels, uh, what's really amazing about the Gospel of John is it, it starts off with one of the most poetic openings that we see in the, in the four Gospels. I love this. As, as we open up the book of John and we begin to, to dive into it, we see some very poetic language that he uses. He's using metaphor to describe Jesus as the Word of God. And so we, we read this, and it says here, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were created through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made without Christ or without the Word. And so here we see John sort of open up, and and it is a different way of, of opening up than what some of the other Gospels open up with and so he uses this language talking about jesus being the word in fact what we see in the gospel of john is in just a few short paragraphs he uses different language to describe who jesus is he says jesus is the word we just read that he he describes jesus as the word meaning that he is the communication of god the trying 
triune uh, nature of God. He is the communication of God. He is the word of life. And so we see him as the word. We see him as life itself, and meaning that he is the source of eternal life in the, in the few verses after the ones we just read. And then we get to where we are today in, in the text today, and we see where, where God is referred to as the light, meaning that he is the illumination of all spiritual reality, or he is the illumination of of truth and so we can count on the word of jesus we we know that the words that jesus speaks the words that he proclaims is truth to us and so we can receive that or we can or maybe not receive it but that's the truth of god's word so we see this language in john as we prepare to read in here but in verse 9 where our text begins today john focuses on something that's very important he begins to focus on what it means to be a child of God. And I believe that there's probably no more important topic to talk about than to talk about what it means to be a child of God. My prayer, my prayer for this for this morning is that there wouldn't be a single individual that would leave this room not knowing where they stand with Jesus. That's my prayer. I hope that you would have the full assurance of salvation. I would hope that you would have the full assurance that you are indeed a child of God. Or maybe today you would be at a place where you wonder if, if, if you're a child of God, if indeed you are saved, and if you're not, that you would seek the answers to your questions, that you would seek the truth that comes from the gospel. And so my prayer is, is that no one would walk out of here not really knowing or being unsure of what they're standing with Jesus really is. And so that's my prayer as we dive into this text today. So let's start reading here, starting with verse 9. The gospel says this. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Again, talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus, where the Father so loved the world that He would send His only Son. This is what He's, he's communicating here. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world, look at this, did not know Him. So He was coming into the world, and not everyone knew Him. It says in verse 11, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But in verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive Him and believe in His name, He gave the right to become, look at this, children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so here's what the Scriptures are teaching us. It's teaching us that, that there is a, is a way that we can become children of God, that there's, there's a pathway to which we can become children of God. And, and the things that John's Gospel points out to us here this morning is really amazing to me because what we see here, and I wish I could unpack this whole passage, there's just no way, but as we focus specifically on verse 12, we see two conditions to becoming a child of God. Now, let me just say this, that, that I believe that, that there's no way that we can know God or even come to God or approach God or be saved by God without God first doing a mighty work in our hearts, this regenerative work that He, he does in our hearts where he, he draws men and women to Himself and He, he draws us to Himself. And, 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 then, and then we may not even recognize the work that God's doing in our life, but, but God is wooing us with His Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about this in just a moment a little deeper, but He is wooing us and He is drawing us near but coming to a place, and this is what John is talking about here, coming to a place where we, we see the receiving of Jesus, and this is important, 
the receiving of Jesus and the believing in Jesus. Now, these two ideas or these two truths are very important. Both of them are really radically different, but yet through Scripture, as we read through Scripture, we see that that these two are bound together. And what we see is that being a child of God, these two elements must exist in our life. And so we we, we want to look at these. So first, let's look at what does it mean to receive Jesus. Look at the passage with me again, verse 12, the text that we're going to zoom in on here this morning. But look at verse 12 with me. It says this, But to all who did receive Him, who believed His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So what does it mean to receive Jesus? You know, maybe you grew up in, in Sunday school or in children's ministry in your life, and, and maybe you heard, you know, sort of this invitation, you know, to accept Jesus into your heart. You know, that's a saying that we, that we often hear, you know, in, in, among children. It's a simplified way of sort of presenting the gospel to children and, and even sometimes to adults. But, 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 but I want us to understand that, that there is this act from people as God stirs their heart, as He stirs their soul, as He draws men and women unto Himself, there is this, this need to receive that which Christ Himself is offering to us. And that's what we're going to see that John is speaking into here today. But here's what's important. Here's what we need to understand about receiving Jesus into our hearts, or receiving Jesus, okay? This, this is what we must understand, that receiving Jesus can't be just some of Jesus, it has to be all of Jesus. It has to be the receiving of Jesus as He is. It has to be the receiving of Jesus as He proclaims He is. Receiving Jesus as the Son of God. Receiving Jesus as the ultimate authority in our life. Receiving Jesus in every bit of who He is. Not just some or, or some of who we think we like about Jesus. It's not about that. So receiving Jesus is is in short really coming to a place where we where we begin to accept Jesus and believe in Jesus and receive Jesus all as he is. I remember as a young man, 17 years old, and I've shared this bit of a testimony with you already, but, but as a young man, 17 years old, a, a best friend sharing the gospel with me. And in fact, really an entire church, uh, or at least a Sunday school class or a lot of people in the church, really sort of taking me on as a project you might say and i remember in those years that really was about a year or so where they were very intentional about sharing jesus with me and and what i what i began to to do is learn more about who jesus was i i learned that jesus was the son of god i learned that jesus came and died on a cross for my sins and that i'm a sinner and that all that you know the wages of sin is death so i i was learning all these bits and pieces of the gospel and 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 so there came a time though I was 17 years old and I was hearing this gospel but it wouldn't be until I was 21 years old that I would actually surrender my life to Christ Jesus and and give my life to Christ and and believe and this is the point I'm making is receive Christ Jesus as my not only savior but as my lord recognizing him as all authority and so as I look at this this really makes sense to me but it's also important that we understand that this doesn't happen without God's involvement in our life. It wasn't a head knowledge and saying, hey, 
I'm smart enough to figure out this thing called the gospel, and I'm going to believe in Jesus. That wasn't what saved me. What saved me was God working in my heart and wooing me with His Holy Spirit and drawing me ever closer to Him to where I came to a place of believing and receiving the message of Jesus Christ because of this great work that Christ did in my life. You see, I was at a place where I wasn't even thinking about God. I was at a place where I had really no consideration for God. And, and, and it's really remarkable what the Scriptures teach us because it says that, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. That's where I was in my life. I was living my life out. I was living my life out as a sinner, and yet God was stirring in my heart. God was working in my heart. God was drawing me to Himself that one day I could receive Christ Jesus. Let me show you something because I think it's important. Look at John 6, verse 44. John 6, verse 44, the word says this, No one can come to me. Jesus is saying this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You see that? No one can come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. There has to be a work in your heart in your soul, where God is drawing you and He's wooing you with His Spirit, He's bringing you closer and closer. And here's here's what would not be surprising to me at all, that there are some of us in this room here today that would clearly be able to say, yes, I, I remember that in my life. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, that might be what God's doing in my life now. It's amazing to me how many people walk into church thinking that they thought of going to church today when in fact it could have been God drawing you near to where you're, the last thing you were thinking about was church until He laid it on your heart that you would come in and hear the gospel and have the opportunity to receive Him. And so here we, we must recognize that, that salvation begins with, this, that with, with God really doing a work in His life. But when, when that moment comes when Jesus is, is drawing us closer and He is revealing Himself to us, we must not reject Him, but we must receive Him. And that's what John is proclaiming in his gospel, that we must receive who Jesus is and receive not just those parts of Jesus that we like, but all of Him. All of Him. There's a story in Luke chapter 4 that's really interesting to me. Jesus comes into Nazareth, and as He walks into Nazareth, He does what most any Jewish person would do during those days. He goes to the synagogue. And so when He goes to the synagogue, they hand Him a scribe, and, and it says in the Scriptures that he opened up the scribe, and it was a passage from Isaiah. And so he, he opens it up, and he reads the scribe. He, he literally reads the scribe, and then he, he rolls it back up, and he hands it to him, and he sits down. And he says to them, he says, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of you felt like that was very enlightening. I, I feel pretty confident that that blessed your heart. And, and it says here, actually in the Scripture, in verse 22, it says this. Listen to this. It says that all of them spoke well of him, and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And so it sounds like, boy, they're just really receiving this Jesus, that they're coming to a place of really recognizing who he is. But as you continue to read the story, something really amazing happens. Jesus begins to preach on pride. And as he begins to preach on pride, you know what the Scriptures tell us? That they became enraged with Jesus. They grabbed Jesus. They took him to a cliff. And with all intention, they were wanting to throw him off the cliff that he may die. 
And so they come to this place where they, here, here's, what the, here's what the truth of this story is all about. It says that they, they like Jesus as long as he's offering what they want to hear. But when, but when he begins to treat preach truth in their life that hey you may be a prideful person then they reject that and they want to kill him because they oppose him and they don't want anything to do with him that is happening all day long in our world today where there are people who presume that they are believers because all they do is coexist with jesus they take jesus when he offers the warm fuzzies but when some sort of truth is proclaimed in their life. Whoa, now, I'm the Lord of my life. And we see that all over the world today in Christianity. You see, receiving Jesus is receiving all of Jesus. You see, receiving Jesus is not just recognizing Jesus as your, as your Savior, which is obviously to us very comforting, right? None of us want to spend an eternity with hell. None of us want to spend an eternity separated from God. And so... Uh, the idea, the truth that Jesus is our Savior, that's warm and comforting to us. It's something that really just helps us to, to, to feel good about Jesus. But then when Jesus begins to preach about the issues of sin in our life, we're like, we're real quick to remind Him, listen, Jesus, you're our Savior, but you're not my Lord. I'm the Lord of my life. We love the idea of Jesus or you know being a god of provision don't we we love that when jesus is providing for us when he's meeting our needs but but if, if jesus dare just comes to us and says i am the authority in your life we are real quick to point out no jesus you just be a provider you be a savior but i want to live my life because i am the authority of my life and that's exactly what was happening in luke 4 people were able to receive jesus as long as they could just sort of coexist with him but ultimately they were rejecting Jesus because they weren't embracing all of Him. This is real important for us to understand. So we see in verse 12, but to all who did receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Why is this important for us here this morning? It's important for us because we need to understand who Jesus is. He is Lord and Savior of our life. He is provider and authority in our life. We can't pick and choose the parts of Jesus that we like and reject the others and be a child of God. The other thing that this passage, and really focusing in on verse 12, points out to us is this. It says in verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him. But it also says, and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the second question would be, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? We must understand here this morning what it means to believe in Jesus. Here, here's what we know when we read through Scripture. That believing in Jesus is not just simply believing that Jesus is real. We, we know that in Scripture because of all the Scripture that we, as we study through the Gospels, we, we begin to realize that believing in Jesus is much deeper than maybe we've ever thought about. And here's one of the ways that we can be convinced of this. Is, is this reality that 
Even the devil believes in Jesus, but let me just say to you this morning, he is lost as a ball in high grass. Amen? He is not going to spend an eternity with, in, in God's presence. He is, he is evil and he is lost. He's not going to spend. But here is the devil who does believe in Jesus. In fact, the devil believes so much in Jesus as the Son of God, maybe more than some of us here today, that he goes and he tempts him, hoping that he would fail in the desert until he finally comes to this place where Jesus says to him, be gone from my presence, devil. And the devil flees from his presence because he has to obey the Son of God. And so we know that what Scripture teaches us is that it's not just simply a belief in Jesus that saves us, but it must be something much more deeper. Let me show you this for a moment. And because this is a past couple of passages that we use a lot and shared the gospel. But look at John 3.16. This is a very familiar passage to many of us here today, uh, especially if you grew up in, in church, if you grew up, you know, uh, going to, to Sunday school and stuff. You've heard this a, a million times probably. But John 3.16. But let's read through this here this morning because I want to show you something. Because often this is where we go to talk about belief in Jesus. And so look at this with me, if you will. John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Well, wouldn't that include the devil? If that's all it was, if that's what belief really was, but I'm, I'm here to say this morning that belief goes further than that. Belief must go further than that, because that can't be the end of it. It can't be all that that verse really means. Look at verse 18 in John 3, verse 18. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And so here's what I want to say here this morning, that believing in Christ Jesus must go beyond what we typically think of when we think of just simply acknowledging or believing or saying, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. Years ago, when I was 17 years old, I'd heard the gospel for over a year. If you would have asked me if I was a Christian, I would have probably told you yes. I would, if you would have asked me, do you believe in Jesus? I would have said, absolutely, I believe in Jesus. I had enough friends and uh, and family that were presenting the gospel to me and sharing the gospel and I would have told you in a million years I was a, I was a believer in Christ Jesus but at 21 when Christ came into my life and I finally understood who Jesus really was and the need to receive and to believe and to believe in faith who Christ was and I surrendered to Jesus and I accepted Jesus and I responded to Jesus and I received Jesus I would have told you in that moment that all those years between 21 and 17, I was not a believer at all because I didn't grasp what was at stake. And so the point I'm trying to make here this morning is that believing is just... it's just not good enough. It has to, and I believe this, that Scriptures have to take it further than that, and they do. We've already read in, in John chapter 1 in this text where it says in verse 12, but to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so here's what I'm proposing to you this morning is that there is a 
there is a correlation between receiving all of Jesus, all of who He is, the Son of God. There's a correlation in receiving and accepting Jesus that goes with our belief in Jesus as the Son of God, as the divine Son of God that comes together and that becomes our part in salvation. That becomes our part in salvation. Let me show you because John doesn't leave us hanging. Flip with me and I'm almost done. But flip with me to John chapter 5 starting with verse 43 and then and 44. Let me, look, let me just show you these two verses here. John doesn't leave us hanging here. He, he, he goes on to explain that there's more than just what he said in John 3.16 and John 3.18 when he talks about this need to believe in Jesus. Yes, there's a need to believe in Jesus, but we must understand what it means to believe in Jesus. He says in John 5, verse 43, he says, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I have come in my Father's name. You remember the passage, John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that, what? He sent His only Son. And so Jesus says here, very clearly, He says, I have come in my Father's name. And you did not, what? Receive me. He doesn't say you didn't believe in me. He says you did not receive me. You didn't embrace me. You didn't accept me for who I am. He says, I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If anyone, if another comes in his own name, you receive him. But how can you believe when you receive glory from another one, from one another, and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? This is so interesting to me. This is so interesting to me. Because what the Scriptures are pointing out to us is that it has a whole lot to do with receiving and believing together. My greatest desire this morning truly is that there's not a single one of us in this room that doesn't embrace Jesus Christ in all that He is. In all that He is. To embrace Him as Savior and Lord. To embrace Him as the wonderful Counselor and Lord. To embrace Him as the One who is an excellent provider, a God of provision, and yet He is the authority in our life. Jesus said these words to His disciples. He says, If you love Me, keep My commandments. There is something about being an authentic child of God that says when God has radically transformed our hearts in that capacity, that when there exists in our life sin, we are convinced when there exists in our life immorality, we are convicted. Why? Because we recognize that's not what God intends for us. My prayer is that every one of us in this room would receive that which the Father 
is offering to us this morning. I am convinced that there are some of us in this room here today that have have probably walked into this room not being assured of their salvation. Statistically, it's just not possible that we would all walk in here and just all be saved. And so I'm convinced that there are some that have walked into this room and there's such an... There's such a lack of assurance. And there's doubt. And I know this because I have so many conversations where people come into my office and they say, Pastor David, I just don't know if I'm even saved. And maybe God is working in your heart. Maybe God this morning is drawing you here. There are some in this room, I'm convinced, that probably are convinced that they walked in here because they thought about going to church today. When in fact, the reality is God is drawing you to Himself. And now you're at a place, at a crossroads, at a, at a place, a point in your life where you hear from God and you, you recognize that God is drawing you near. You recognize the wooing of the Holy Spirit in your life and you hear the gospel message from John where he says that it's just not about believing, it's about believing and receiving and how these two come together. You begin to realize that this might be one of the most important things you've ever heard from God. I love what we read in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 where it says these words, where God says these words. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart, he says. And I'll give you a new spirit. I love how the scriptures speak of when we are truly saved by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we become a a new creation, a new creature, a new creation transformed by God. Isn't that what Ezekiel is saying there? I'll give you a new heart. Let us recognize the power of God in our life today. Let us recognize the truth of His Word. And let us not walk out of here with doubt. Matthew Henry, he once said this, and I'll close with this. He says, God does not force men to walk in His statutes by external violence, but He causes them to walk in His statutes by an internal principle. Then he says this, he says, if God will do His part according to the promise, we must do ours according to the precept. What truth is He talking about? the truth that what God has presented to us is Himself. And that our response to that is to believe and to receive that which God has given us. What an amazing truth from God's Word. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. We have an opportunity here to receive and to believe. And maybe some of you here today, you're you're, you're at a place where you say, Pastor David, I'm totally convinced that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, that I am a true disciple of Jesus. And for that, I would say, praise God. Because there's nothing more wonderful. And I don't even have to tell you that because you know that. You're a true child of God. Amen? 
But there may be some of us here today that are living out our life with doubt. And, and we're living out even today with doubt and uncertainty of salvation. And, and so to you, I'd say there's an opportunity here for you today to receive and to believe. You know, after every service, our pastors are down front, our ministers are here. We'll have just a whole group of them over here to my, my left, your right. If you, if you have questions, if you have more questions than you have answers, that's why we're here for you. But let us not walk out of here with those questions without seeking the answers. I know that this is not a message where we potentially flood the altar because, you know, nobody wants to, you know, be the person that doesn't know Jesus here today. But, my friend, there is nothing greater than receiving and believing when the Spirit of God is working in your heart like He may be doing this morning. Maybe this morning what you want to do, what your greatest act of worship is, is to come to this altar and just thank God for salvation in your life. Thank God for the, for the sanctification that's taking place every single day as God purifies your heart. As God moves you to a place of holiness and righteousness in your life. Maybe this morning your greatest act of worship is to come to this altar and thank God for your salvation. Thank God for your sanctification. And even lift up your family and friends who don't know Jesus, that they would be impacted, that God would draw them near to Himself, that they too may understand and receive and believe.